Wrestling fans, it's time to face the facts. That's right, public enemy number one and two are Jinder Mahal and Nia Jax. Shakeups are abound and the WWE Universe is buzzing with controversy changes and so much more. This is Next Era Wrestling. You are listening to WrestleRant Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Tommy Sharp alongside Graham GSM Matthews here to bring you the front to end WWE coverage that you deserve. Listen online at nexterawrestling.net. Graham, this has been a real shakeup of a week. Monday and Tuesday have come and gone and we are here sitting pretty, having been to SmackDown Live in person this week. Can't thank you enough for the time of my year. So far, this was absolutely one of the best shows to be at. A historic night for SmackDown. Uh, but so many things that affected SmackDown started on Monday Night Raw. Why don't we start off with what was your number one biggest takeaway, most shocking moment that happened this week on Monday Night Raw? I think for me, the biggest takeaway from what, not what was happened on Raw, what occurred on Raw this past week, I think it was what did not happen on Raw this past week in terms of who did not move to Monday nights this past week, and that would be one AJ Styles. We'll talk about the SmackDown moves and the landscape of the SmackDown roster soon enough, focusing on Raw right now, but I thought it was a surefire pick from Kurt Angle to pick up the phenomenal one, considering his history with AJ Styles from years past, and the fact that AJ Styles has been the MVP of WWE for the past year and a half, but there were many people from SmackDown that moved over to Mondays this past week, including the Intercontinental Champion Dean Ambrose, bringing the title with him in the process. We had The Miz, we had Bray Wyatt, even Kurt Hawkins, Alexa Bliss, Mickey James, the list goes on and on, but I thought it was a big Obviously, a very newsworthy night on Raw this past week. Absolutely. Dean Ambrose being among one of the biggest, most shocking swerves of the night. Now, before we get into some of the impact that this has across the WWE Universe, what do you think this means to have both Dean, to have Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns all on one show? I mean, this is a huge range of competitors, but now to have three former Shield members back on the same brand, essentially... Do you think that we're going to eventually see the three of them interact in a meaningful way, given the fact that Seth Rollins seems to be having a uh, a, a revelation moment in the way that he has behaving, the, the weight of his actions? Certainly, you know, not forgive and forget on the Shields part, but what is your take? Well, I got to say, I think it's only inevitable. We see the Shield guys either come together or clash in some form or fashion. I mean, you got to, you, you can't forget, you got to remember. The last time that we saw all three guys on the same show was pre-brand split, was pre-new era, and they collided in a tra- in a massive triple threat match for the ages at the Battleground pay-per-view in July for the WWE Championship, and Dean Ambrose emerged victorious as the WWE Champion at that point in time. So now that they're back on the same show, you got to look at what's changed. Dean Ambrose is still holding gold in the form of the IC title. You got Seth Rollins uh, announcing his allegiance to Monday Night Raw and Kurt Angle apologizing to the fans for his actions from many years ago. And then you have Roman Reigns, who is universally hated by the WWE Universe right now, incapacitated by Braun Strowman, seemingly retiring in The Undertaker. So much has changed, so much has evolved from the days of The Shield, not only from five years ago, but from a mere eight months ago. So I'm interested to see coming out of the um, shakeup this past week, what former fashion we see these guys come together. Absolutely. Well, and, and speaking of confrontation and shakeups, Dean Ambrose came out and confronted John Cena on Monday Night Raw, or a John Cena, 
uh, in the form of The Miz and Maurice John Cena making his big debut on uh, Monday Night Raw. I mean, it's hard to say he's making a big debut. He's been there, you know, multiple times, you know, throughout his entire <laughs> career, which is a different discussion we'll have in a moment about what a shakeup really is in general anyway and how it was presented to us. But for the fact that Dean Ambrose came out and got right in the Miz's face, being the Intercontinental Champion, certainly says a little bit more about his lunatic ways as, as the Miz kind of wanted us to frame that. Do you think Dean Ambrose is a lunatic right now? Do you think that he the, his motivation for confronting the Miz is out of slapstick humor, or is there a deeper motivation going on? Absolutely, the former. I think we've talked about this time and time again here on the show, dating back to over a year ago, in regards how to Dean Ambrose has given this label as the lunatic fringe, but not really living up to that moniker. It's merely a nickname to put on a T-shirt or a coffee cup or you know what have you. It's really not a reflection of who he is at the moment. It really has been in quite some time. It's not like it's a recent development that he's no longer crazy. It's really been that way since the get-go. To me, he does not feel like the lunatic fringe. Really, at this point, five years later, what is Seth Rollins the architect of? I mean, we can go on and on, but with Dean Ambrose specifically, he doesn't feel all that loony as you know, WWE tells us that he is. No, absolutely. And Seth Rollins, as you just mentioned, he's certainly having, like we were just talking about, more of a focus moment right now. A, a real turn of heart where his heart is in the business of being a wrestler. And I think looking at examples like Kurt Angle, he certainly wants to exemplify, uh, you know, we exemplify those three eyes. So tell me a little bit about your thoughts on the interaction that Seth Rollins had with Raw's general manager, Kurt Angle this week. Kurt, uh, certainly able to roll with the punches of anybody, anything going on around him, not afraid to make a match in a moment. He really sees how the pieces fit together. And with his background in the WWE alone, you know, I think that he's the man for the job, but do you think that he is going to help Seth Rollins? Or do you think that Seth Rollins is now damaged because of his relationship with the management? No, I gotta say, I think Rollins right now feels more rejuvenated than ever before. Now, seemingly vanquished the authority, Triple H, out of the picture for the foreseeable future. Seth Rollins, or Stephanie McMahon, also being out of the picture for the foreseeable future. Rollins can now focus on himself, redesigning, rebuilding, and most importantly, reclaiming, as he said on Monday, that WWE Universal Championship. But first, he's got a major roadblock in the form of Samoa Joe. But I thought that interaction alone, as you mentioned, I thought was super cool. Obviously, meant the world to Seth Rollins. He posted about it on Instagram this past week. How legendary of a moment it was for him and an honor to, to share a ring with a WWE Hall of Famer, Kurt Angle. So the only real shakeup for Seth Rollins going on right now is, is inside of his own mind. But he still has a foe in Samoa Joe, and the two seem to be locked in a bitter battle. But if we keep tracing these threads here through the former members of the Shield, let's 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 move on to a segment that was certainly awe-inspiring in some uh, in some way. The loser known as Braun Strowman uh, attacked. Roman Reigns so badly that Roman ended up not only inside of an ambulance, but then tipped over by the monster Braun Strowman in, while inside an ambulance. It was uh, definitely an unexpected turn of events, something that just showed a persistence in Braun Strowman that we're not you know, used to seeing. Usually he clobbers somebody, walks away, and it's, it's done. But Braun Strowman sincerely seems to take all of the fan rage against Roman Reigns and channel it like it's spinach to Popeye. What do you think, Braun, what, was, what was going through Braun Strowman's head at this moment? What's this mean for Roman Reigns? Since we do know now that Roman did not appear on SmackDown Live and presumably will be staying on Raw. 
I mean, a loser no longer. I mean, we, we've been proclaiming Braun Strowman for the past month now as a loser, coming up short in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, being easily beaten by Roman Reigns at Fastlane, being disposed of by The Undertaker and Monday Night Raw, again, with ease. So it, it, it seemed that Braun Strowman was becoming an afterthought, kind of letting time pass him by in Monday Night Raw, but he made an impact. You know, to sound cliche, at the risk of sounding cliche, he made an impact on Monday by taking out no pun intended, the, the top dog in Monday Night Raw in the form of Roman Reigns in a absolutely brutal and just vicious attack that the crowd, you know, ate up. They loved it. I think a lot of people did. Um, but for Braun Strowman, this is all about redemption. This is about vengeance. And that might, him a, that might make him a hero in his own mind. But if he can beat Roman Reigns, he will have earned himself and proven to himself that he is worthy of challenging Brock Lesnar for that Universal Championship. Well, he still feels certainly like a loser to me right now because all he's doing is attacking someone without their, without their consent, without their knowledge, without any, any kind of defense. So to me, it's still a coward approach. Uh, he certainly has proven that he's going to cower outside of the ring. He's going to walk away from major competition and challenges like The Undertaker and let Roman Reigns you know, go through all of that hurt just so that he can, what, tip him over and show how strong he can be when, when nothing is uh, impacting him. Braun Strowman still has a long way to go if he's going to truly be a monster in the WWE, but his size alone dictates that he is, and so far... People are having a tough time pushing around, except for the big dog, Roman Reigns. I just want to send a quick shout-out. Thank you, Roman Reigns, one more time for uh, beating The Undertaker at WrestleMania and officially retiring the dead man. Congratulations, Ooh. sir. You have done a great service to us all. Just want to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about uh, let's talk about uh, some, some wonderful uh, news and uh, some uh, very inspiring things going on. And the WWE surrounding the Hardy Boys. Now, we have not we we have seen glimpses into the Hardy's broken brilliance. However, the the true spirit of their return is very much rooted in their nostalgic original incarnation and that true spirit of the high flying, high energy, death defying, risk taking daredevils that are the Hardy Boys. Um, we saw the Hardy Boys in action on Monday Night Raw this week, which was just amazing to see them back in a ring going through you know the the tour going going hitting the road being at a live show it really meant a lot to see the hardy boys back out there being themselves um and they teamed up with cesaro and sheamus to take on luke gallows carl anderson and the shining stars um the shining stars uh an odd pairing uh in this whole mashup of of tag teams what did you make of the shining stars being uh, aligned essentially by luke with luke gals and carl anderson do you think that kurt angle um really felt like that was the team to complement because clearly the hardy boys and cesaro and sheamus got the win here no doubt in my mind but do you think kurt angle may have skewed the uh, results a little bit by adding the shining stars to a match like this. This seems pretty high caliber. Definitely a slight towards the club. I mean, as you would say, you got the Hardy Boys, former tag team champions Cesaro and Sheamus. You got the club again, former tag team champions, and then the shining stars again, former former tag team champions in their own right, but really have been irrelevant for quite some time now. And maybe Kurt Angle had an inkling of an idea of what was to come the following night, because again, we're not exactly sure how this shakeup you know, transpired, how it kind of uh, took place and what happened behind the scenes. Were the trades made official before Raw even happened? Were they happening e even as of 
late as or as Tuesday morning. Who knows? But maybe he had an idea that the Shining Stars were SmackDown bound. Just wanted to get them out there, showcase the Raw Tag Team division, have them you know be fed to the Hardy Boys before they departed to the Blue Brand. So that might be just an idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, with with the Hardy Boys and Cesaro and Sheamus getting a win, you have to wonder if that's the that's really where the tension's going to start brewing because Cesaro and Sheamus are so like intensely competitive and the Hardy boys are still in a honeymoon phase of just, you know, being back and acclimating to the WWE lifestyle. Cesaro and Sheamus are ready to go. And I don't really think that they're interested at this point in making friends since it took the two of them. How long to even become friends with themselves. And now they are a more cohesive unit than literally any other tag team uh, on raw right now. We haven't seen a lot from the Hardy boys, so that will be proven over time, but certainly they have what it takes to, to to get a win pretty much any day of the week. However, continuing on the tag team thread here, which seems absolutely insane that we're continuing to talk about tag team wrestling in the WWE right now, but we are talking about tag team wrestling in the WWE. On Monday Night Raw, we saw the Revival take on the New Day with an asterisk. Kofi Kingston is out with a broken ankle. He will be recovering for some time and certainly feeling that and the pressure of that broken ankle for years to come. Uh, but the revival, that's what they do. There are no flips, just fists. Broken ankles and all. They came out and they beat the New Day on Monday Night Raw. Is that not a measuring stick? What, do you, what did you think of the, the revival's presence on Monday Night? Say yeah. I mean, look at the revival. I think these guys are really what tag team wrestling is all about. For those that, uh, for those of you that have not been paying attention to NXT, and specifically their tag team division, has arguably been the best part about the black and yellow brand for quite some time now, specifically because of the revival. Now, uh, finally arriving on Monday Night Raw, looking to really revive Raw tag teams, uh, Raw's tag team division. We've talked about it for months here on the show. I know we've had, uh, you know, Tim on the show. Tom's been talking about it. I've been talking about it. Tag team wrestling has really been a footnote in WWE for quite some time now. But bringing in the revival, bringing back the Hardy Boys, bringing over Heath Slater and Rhino to Monday Night Raw to shake up their tag team division, I think is absolutely intoxicating news for uh, Raw's tag team scene just because we have so many fresh matchups. In the Revival alone, taking out The New Day, the longest reigning tag team champions in WWE history, two weeks in a row. I mean, you said an asterisk there, no Kofi Kingston, but they beat them clean as a sheet both Monday this past week and the Monday before that, meaning The Revival should be in line for a tag team title shot before long. Absolutely. Well, and speaking of clean wins, we saw um, in singles competition, uh, we saw Sami Zayn take on The Miz on Monday Night Raw. Um, this was, you know, a, a newcomer, it, it, again, with an asterisk, and it's not exactly new territory for The Miz, but, you know, coming into an established roster is definitely, um, you, you want to make that first splash of uh, impression on the rest of the, your peers that you're not to be messed with. And Sami Zayn went out there and certainly made the John Cena t-shirt wearing Miz look as foolish as he did out there and and he should have and and what this would turn into Sami Zayn's final appearance on Monday Night Raw for now because Sami Zayn has gotten shaken up and has now found himself on the blue brand and Smackdown Live and we will get to that in just a few but in other singles competition matches we had a uh, uh, a cruiserweight match that saw TJ Perkins defeating Austin Aries 
what was interesting about that match to you, especially the 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 way that TJ Perkins uh, presented himself? I mean, we can't talk about this match without talking about what happened beforehand with Neville confronting TJ Perkins backstage, bringing up the fact that six months ago, TJ Perkins was the crown jewel of the Cruiserweight division in WWE, having won the CWC, the Cruiserweight Classic, and now all these months later, really an afterthought in the Cruiserweight division. So that kind of got to TJ Perkins, showing a different side of aggression, a ruthless aggression, if you will, um, in this matchup, and coming full forward with that turn to the dark side um, after the matchup, picking up the victory via nefarious means over Austin Aries, which is a big victory, too. I think we need to talk about that just because Austin Aries has not been beaten all that much since coming up to WWE, only at WrestleMania prior to this point. So a big win over Austin Aries, a former TNA World Heavyweight Champion, an established star in the world of wrestling, and then afterwards attacking Austin Aries before forming an alliance with the current Cruiserweight Champion, the King of the Cruiserweights, Neville, on 205 Live the next night. So pretty big week for TJ Perkins. An alliance that was continued this week on 205 Live um, and uh, something that is becoming uh, more solidified and uneasy for the fans to really wrap their head around TJ Perkins, uh, you know, a very whimsical, lighthearted, nostalgic uh, competitor has now been, I, I suppose, tainted by his own uh, his own lack of success, apparently. And, and Neville certainly came from the same type of place. So he's feeding uh, uh, he's feeding TJ Perkins this same type of story. And look at where Neville is now. So sometimes it's hard to argue with those types of facts, but this is the same turn, same turn of heart that Seth Rollins is going through. So you can look at a lot of different examples, and TJ Perkins is a young competitor, and hopefully he starts looking to some of his elders and seeing the example and the things that they've been through and the missteps that they've had because TJ Perkins has so much heart, he's better than this. Um, but someone that has a cold heart and is certainly no better than that whatsoever is one of my favorite introductions to the Monday Night Raw uh, roster in general, Alexa Bliss, the former SmackDown Live Women's Champion, is now on Monday Night Raw and was confronted by Mickey James uh, and uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks. What what do you th- what what was it like for you to see all of those people in the same ring together? And do you feel like that is certainly the future of? how the women's division is going to be competing. It absolutely is. I mean, earlier on in the evening, we saw Nia Jax unseating the former Raw Women's Champion, multi-time champion Charlotte with ease, sending Charlotte off the smack on the next night. Um, But I want to go back to what you said earlier about this not really being new territory for Dean Ambrose and The Miz, which is absolutely true. But it is for Alexa Bliss. I think a lot of people understate the fact that you know, before the draft, Alexa Bliss wasn't around. She was in NXT. She was a SmackDown exclusive superstar from the time that she debuted eight months ago, nine months ago, whatever it was, up until now. So when she arrived on Monday night, arguably no superstar got a bigger reaction this week switching shows than Alexa Bliss on Monday night. And I thought she made an immediate impact confronting the Raw Women's Champion. And I gotta, I gotta bring this up too. I thought the subtle tease of a Bailey and Sasha Banks one-on-one match, which we've been speculating about for months now, before Alexa Bliss came out, I thought was great. So obviously that you got that brewing there. You have Nia Jax proclaiming her dominance over the Raw Women's Division. You have Alexa Bliss coming in. You have Mickey James, a former multi-time champion, coming in as well with her unfinished business with Mickey, uh, with Alexa Bliss, excuse me, her former uh, mentor slash protege, protege. 
So the Raw Women's Division right now is exciting. We've been talking about for months how there's only really four women in that division. Charlotte, Nia, Bailey, Sasha, and that's it. Now we finally got a mix-up, and I'm very happy to see it. Absolutely, and, and speaking of Charlotte, she was another transplant that has now found herself debuting on SmackDown Live, and we'll be getting to that in just a minute as well. Um, other notable things happening on Monday Night Raw this week, um, just one-off kind of confrontations. You know, It was, it was a, an exciting night of matches that almost fall in the category of what if. What if Intercontinental Champion, formerly on SmackDown Live, Dean Ambrose took on current U.S. Champion Kevin Owens? Well, that was our main event. We got to see that, and uh, it was incredibly uh, brutal main event from two competitors that we really haven't seen in the ring competing against each other a whole heck of a lot. And uh, I thought that Dean Ambrose and Kevin Owens, I mean, they were so evenly matched. Dean Ambrose uh, being a little bit more... Uh, durable and a little quicker than Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens putting the hurt on Dean Ambrose in a way that is reminiscent of Baron Corbin, uh, but with a little more oomph from uh, Kevin Owens, who's certainly proven that he's a prize fighter, where Baron Corbin has proven that he's still trying. Um, Dean Ambrose comes out with a win in this, stays on Monday Night Raw. Kevin Owens will have made his appearance on SmackDown Live. Um, what we what what did you think about just these one-off matches that we were seeing on Monday? Again, a big bout, a marquee match. I could not tell you the last time we saw a champion versus champion match in WWE pitting the IC title holder against the U.S. title holder. That's a big deal, especially now that they're separated from Raw and SmackDown. And like I thought, that was a great big marquee match for Monday Night Raw this past week. Uh, so moving forward, I mean, Kevin Owens has a bright future on SmackDown. Dean Ambrose having a bright future on Monday Night Raw, picking up steam his first night there. A lot of fresh matches. I mean, again, Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose, former rivals. We saw them face off countless times in 2015, 2016, over the, that Intercontinental Championship at TLC, the Royal Rumble. The list goes on and on. But it feels fresh again because of the brand split, presenting all these new opportunities to guys like Dean Ambrose. Kevin Owens, even Chris Jericho coming out there, coming to the aid of Dean Ambrose, a former rival who he clarified on on Twitter had not yet forgiven Dean Ambrose for breaking his uh, light-up jacket, light-bright-up jacket from about a year ago. That's neither here nor there. But again, a fresh feel to both Monday, uh, Monday's Raw and, and Tuesday's SmackDown. A fresh coat of paint is what both brands desperately needed right now. Absolutely. Fresh coats, new life, great competitors, and healthy competitors. And let's talk a little bit about healthy competitors. Uh, let's talk about Nia Jax and Charlotte Flair. This is a match that dramatically upset me to see a competitor the size and skill set of Nia Jax uh, very, very, not deliberately, um, but carelessly injure Charlotte Flair. Now, whether those injuries are visible to any of us or the fact that Charlotte appeared the very next night in Boston, Massachusetts for SmackDown Live, coming out looking like the queen that she is. Nia Jax dropped Charlotte Flair square on her neck, right on the back of her head, in the middle of the ring, and then not even two minutes later, when Charlotte Flair, in my opinion, needlessly attempted a moonsault off the top rope to the outside, ground-level floor, Nia Jax, instead of taking the hit from Charlotte that she so clearly deserved to take, backed away, caught Charlotte's legs and let Charlotte's face smash clear into the floor. Again, two traumatic head injuries in less than five minutes apart. Nia Jax, her face said it all in the ring. 
she knew that she truly had hurt somebody. And this is what I have feared from Nia Jax all along. She's hurt Bailey. She's hurt Charlotte now. How many top competitors need to get hurt before Nia Jax needs to go back and learn some more about what she's doing in the ring? I mean, this is every bit of her character relies on her being able to hurt people. But incapacitating characters in the WWE does not put a championship around your waist. That's not how that's done. That does not prove your dominance. You can go out there and legitimately hurt anybody at any time. It is the focus of restraint to win a match. Hurting someone doesn't win your match. And even though Nia Jax came up with the defeat on Charlotte here, um, Charlotte uh, is going to continue on, thankfully, uh, away from Nia Jax. But Nia Jax is still a threat. How did you view that moment? Hurting someone is not a crime. Injuring someone absolutely should be considered a crime in WWE. Like you said, putting someone out on the shelf, putting someone out on the shelf for an extended period of time with an injury does not make you money. If anything, you're losing money. The company is losing money because a wrestler is out injured for an extended period of time. Nia Jax should not be commended. She should be reprimanded for her actions on Monday's Raw. Taking out, again, not a nobody, not a... You know, some random local athlete that comes in a raw to face one of the more established stars. She's taking out a top star in Charlotte Flair. That is a big deal. And without Charlotte, where would Raw Women's Division be? Exactly. And and this is part of, you know, our outside view of all of this. Certainly, if you go by the rule book, Nia didn't do anything wrong. But in my opinion, uh, any hit to the back of the head could, should be either a, a, an immediate warning and a reset of the two competitors on their feet before competition begins again. Not not to say that it was an automatic head trauma concussion for Charlotte or anything like that. She may have gotten lucky. But I think in general, if you see a person like Brock Lesnar suplex someone literally onto their head and go for another one, the referee should have the power to step in and say, no, you're, you're out of line. Well, look at Randy Orton from SummerSlam. Yeah. Being a prime example. You are out of line that this match is now paused until we determine whether or not you've automatically lost this match because of the maneuver maneuver you chose to do. Go all the way back to Owen Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin with a pile driver that literally changed Steve Austin's life forever. These things can change your life forever. And... After watching, and I'm going to jump to the next topic here, after watching the the forearm that Jinder Mahal drove into the back of Finn Balor's head like he was trying to put a stake in the ground, seeing Finn Balor's face almost explode out the side of his cheek, he got hit so hard he went out cold, fell face first on the mat, had mat burn on his face and somehow still came up with a victory over Jinder Mahal. I feel like Charlotte should have done the same had she not been uh, uh, plummeted into the ground face first by a sloppy Nia Jax who just was afraid to get hit. Um, Finn Balor was not afraid to get hit. Jinder Mahal is out of his mind and needs to be fired. Like there, there is just no other way to look at what Jinder Mahal did and not see complete incompetence across the board. You do not deserve to be in that ring. You don't deserve to be around anybody until you can figure out what the hell's going on with your brain, your body, and your 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 entire attitude. Graham, what did you think? I'm I'm real fired up about that. No, I completely agree. I know we were talking about this on the road to uh, SmackDown Live on Tuesday night. I, I couldn't agree more. 
Jinder Mahal, again, should be reprimanded. Moving him to SmackDown is not the answer. Putting him on Talking Smack and, and having him say that he wants to he wants a championship. It's time that he gets a championship. It's time he looks for another job, in my opinion. <laughs> no, I mean, moving him to another show just to be away from the guy he probably, not even probably, absolutely injured on Monday is not the answer because how long will it be before he injures someone else? He could have injured Mojo Raleigh in their match on Tuesday. He could injure AJ Styles if they faced up next week. You know what I mean? So... Um, yeah, I mean, an action action should be taken, and no mistakes happen, but that's no mistake. You, there is absolutely no excuse for going that hard and that physical in a match that has no value whatsoever. No, and, and Finn Balor, uh, to his credit, uh, uh, finished with the coup de gras as clean as a whistle as can be because that's the kind of competitor he is. Uh, wish Finn Balor all of the best and hope that his recovery is going to be clear and safe and reasonable. And uh, that's I, I, that's the best we can hope for. But something I'm uh, I'm hoping uh, goes uh, uh, the fans' direction. Well, let's just take a listen uh, to a little bit of audio from the beginning of SmackDown Live. Ladies and gentlemen, what you are hearing is a chant coming from the TD Garden, uh, primarily coming from our section, although we weren't necessarily participating. Uh, I do agree with the, the sentiment, though, or at least the energy behind it. They are chanting, Fire Bradshaw, in response to all of the controversy that his actions and his actions alone have earned him a spot on everybody's public enemy list, number one on the internet right now. Uh, for the alleged treatment of uh, or mistreatment of Mauro Ranallo, who is missed dearly from the commentary team. Uh, nothing uh, against Todd Phillips, who is exemplary. I love Todd Phillips, big Todd Phillips fan. Agreed. Um, uh, but li- I've never, never been a JBL fan. Ever in my once of watching a single match of his, have I ever felt that he was anything but a would-be brawler who couldn't hack it against a real man. The uh, <laughs> brawl for all, <laughs> brawl for all, um, clearly uh, out of your league, a JBL. But, uh, you know, he won me over because I thought it was a character. I thought once I saw Legends with JBL on the network and I thought that that was the real JBL. I thought, wow, you know, how what an incredible work that he does in that ring to portray himself as a total piece of garbage to then have this kind, observant, journalistic integrity that I truly think the WWE is lacking when it comes to some of their network programming. You know, someone with an honest voice that that knows the business, has respect for its performers, and can really cut to the core of some controversy and ask tough questions that no one else would really get away with asking. That's who I thought JBL was. Apparently, based on the facts that are coming out, uh, JBL is a cold-hearted jerk in every sense of the word. And if, if I could use uh, stronger words, I would. But uh, FCC being what it is, we we're gonna stick to the we're gonna stick to the PG rating there. But um, what do you think? Do you wh- where do you stand on all this? Do, do you think this is a good spot? For the company, do you think this is a uh, adds a d- dynamic of reality to this reality era uh, that JBL kind of has a duality to him? Is this supported by WWE management, or is this something that we haven't seen before? What do you, what, what's your take? Do, it, sh- should we fire JBL? 
again, that's the problem. Um, we don't know all the details. I know there is more to this than I think what meets the eye. I, I know the devil's advocate would say, oh, Mauro Ronaldo is very sensitive. If it's just the comments from bringing it to the table from a few weeks ago, then you just get over it. I'm pretty sure there's a lot more to it than just what JBL was ribbing him on. You know, that, that word ribbing on bringing it to the table, a network produced show a couple of weeks ago. I'm sure there's a lot more to this than we know right now. I'm sure when we get both sides of the story from WWE and specifically Mauro Ronaldo, who is more active on Twitter now than he was a month ago when he took his hiatus from the social media platform, he hasn't directly commented on what has happened so far. I know I was hearing something today about WWE wanting to reach a settlement with Mauro about not speaking about the situation on Twitter. That has nothing to do with him coming back or telling him to... I mean, that means there is some truth to the matter right now. And the fact that no one will really comment on it from within WWE raises a lot of questions. So I am definitely with you here. Well, this I is think- a story that's now been picked up by the New York Times, New York Sports Post, Illustrated, Forbes, yeah. Sports Illustrated, Huffington. ESPN, Huffington Post. It's everywhere yeah. because anytime that a company, a publicly traded company, withholds information from the public, it becomes a story. Yeah. And unfortunately here, even if Morrow is trying to do right by everybody and keep this quiet because certainly anybody um, that is a mental health advocate, um, more attention to a scenario is not necessarily the right attention that you want and can be even harder to deal with. Um, uh, people's emotions being what they are. So emotions are high going into SmackDown Live and whatever happens with JBL has nothing to do with the action that we saw live in Boston. Me and Graham uh, watching an unbelievable historic night of firsts for the SmackDown Live brand. What was your favorite moment of the night? Quite a few of them. I mean, this was my first draft show. I've been long, a our draft-esque show, I should say, was the Superstar Shake-Up. So being in attendance for that was a, a lot of fun, considering we had no idea who would show up. Uh, the start of the show, the first 10 minutes alone, we had Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens arriving on SmackDown. Long overdue. That was very cool. To see Charlotte show up and get a massive reaction from the Boston faithful. Again, great moment. We had an awesome tag team title match. The Usos and American Alpha rekindling their rivalry in a great match for the twin titles. We had an awesome main event between Sami Zayn, Baron Corbin, and AJ in a number one contenders bout for the United States Championship. Again, a lot of stuff going on. Really, really enjoyed it being there live with you, Tommy, for a great... Happy birthday, by the way. Today's your birthday. Thank so you. Thank it's you. a birthday gift. Uh, it was a great time. But I got to say, if I had to choose one moment, gun to head, probably the main event. Really, really enjoyed it. Had to have been the main event, seeing AJ Styles stay on SmackDown Live de- definitively. See Kevin Owens come out in the opening segment, the very first kickoff. Kevin Owens comes out, shaved beard, Looking sharp, blue tie, you know, just in the ring with the United States title glistening off of his shoulder. And here we have Sami Zayn pop right down in his <laughs> face. And Kevin Owens could is just livid beside himself. No, 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 this can't happen. And then right behind him, Baron Corbin. And then right behind him, AJ Styles. And here on Monday, going into Tuesday morning, everyone is saying across the board on the IWC that... SmackDown Live was gutted and Vince doesn't care and et cetera and so on and management and blah, blah, blah. That is nothing that we saw on SmackDown Live on a show that has Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, and Shinsuke Nakamura. You tell me what the premiere show is and we haven't even talked about Randy Orton and even more going on. Charlotte Flair, the best of the best are on SmackDown Live in my opinion. And uh, the focus was certainly on 
competition and opportunity for that competition is uh, uh, we had Shane McMahon come out and give an address and, and invite all of the women SmackDown competitors to the ring so that he could introduce a gener- a second generation superstar, a, a, a woman that has grown up in the business. It was none other than you know, his, a legend of a, of, of a father who's in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, a champion all over the world. We are, of course, talking about Tamina. Woo! Uh, who did not deserve that kind of uh, swerve, in my opinion. Or Tam- not woo, sorry. Yeah, T- Tamina, Tamina is a an incredible competitor. And I, I want to say, Tamina, more strength, more coordination, and uh, a, a far better technician in the ring than Nia Jax will ever be. So if she, if Nia wants to look at, up to somebody, I would look up to Tamina for an example of how to do things the right way. Because Tamina is going to be a huge threat given the fact that Charlotte Flair, the queen, is now on SmackDown Live. Couldn't be happier to see that. Also, couldn't be happier to see that the New Day will soon be arriving to SmackDown Live. So as you were talking about with the tag team title match, which did not go the way of the American Alpha. Uh, the Usos uh, defeating American Alpha um, with very tag team tactics, you know, back to basics for them. You know, their day one-ish is paying off for them. And their kind of take no uh, BS attitude is really working out for them. But we'll have to see how that bounces off of the New Day who are down a member and who are going to have to now very much rely on their technician skills to stay healthy and stay competitive if they want a shot against the Usos with American Alpha hot on everybody's heels. Um, but some of the darker competition that we saw on uh, uh, on SmackDown involved a Eric Rowan match against Randy Orton, which ended in a no contest. Tell me a little bit about what we saw live in that no contest uh, decision. We didn't see too much of the match itself, only went a couple of minutes, but of course being interrupted by one Bray Wyatt, now a member of the Raw roster, threatening Randy Orton that despite the fact he's on Monday nights now, he still has his sights set on winning that WWE Championship at Payback in a couple weeks in the House of Horrors match on April 30th. Now, I'm not exactly sure what the extent of the match is in terms of, I know if Owens beats Jericho, whoever wins that match at Payback takes the U.S. Championship to SmackDown, if Wyatt wins, I believe he might take the WWE title to Raw, but again, neither here nor there. In regards to this matchup, Wyatt threatening Randy Orton being ambushed from behind by Eric Rowan. Eric Rowan getting the last laugh, and he remains on SmackDown with Randy Orton, so although Bray Wyatt might be on Raw, Orton still has to deal with Eric Rowan for the time being. And talking about payback real quick, which we'll be talking about just next week, we have matches confirmed. Not only the House of Horror matches between Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt, the Tag Team Champions, the Raw Tag Team Champions, the Hardy Boys, will be taking on, as we were talking about before, their fiercest competition right now, Cesaro and Sheamus, as well as a match that was announced on SmackDown Live. Kevin Owens, the SmackDown Live United States Champion, will be taking on Chris Jericho. The winner of that match will be returning to SmackDown Live, the future for the other competitor, unknown, as well as Austin Aries will get his second chance at the throne that is Neville right now. So that's coming up. Uh, But still going down on SmackDown Live, we saw the perfect 10. What an incredible moment interrupting a sorrowful, solemn, isolated, and singing Aiden English in the middle of the ring who came out to a 
somber vaudevillains tune and then proceeded to sing some, or was about to sing uh, some uh, very uh, provocative, almost opera sounding uh, uh, vocals, which was impressive coming out of uh, Aiden English. Um, But Ty Dillinger came out and really showed him up. Um, Is he the new show off of the WWE? He very well might be. I mean, Ty Dillinger has worked a long time to get here. He reminds me a lot of of Dolph Ziggler circa 2011-2012, although at this point he is embracing the audience. Um, the Perfect Ten. You've been hearing the chants for a while. If you don't watch NXT, you must have been hearing the Ten chants on Raw, on SmackDown, on the pay-per-views. Every single time someone gets uh, nearly counted out, it's not one, two, three, it's 10, 10, 10. And we also saw a glimpse of him in the Royal Rumble match a couple of months ago, so Ty Dillinger should be familiar to some fans. But, yeah, he had a great showing here. He had a great showing last week against Kurt Hawkins. Uh, the, the future looks bright for Ty Dillinger going forward. He very well might be the perfect 10. But at the same time, he's embracing the audience, and I think his future is full of 10s. Absolutely. And, and another bright future that we're seeing uh, just starting here, Mojo Raleigh defeated Jinder Mahal. Now, I just want to, uh, while we're talking about Jinder Mahal again, this, this, I've been thinking about this a lot. I thought about this in the car on the way over here today. Um, the best thing that we can do as fans um, to address uh, competitors like Jinder Mahal who just literally don't care about their actions or whatever they're putting into their bodies, the best thing you can do live is go there and do nothing. Don't boo. Don't cheer. Just stare. Cheer for Mojo Raleigh. You know why? Because he came prepared. And he had Rob Gronkowski in tow, which no one really uh, anticipated. But the Boston crowd, myself included, uh, was very excited to see. Always good to see Rob Gronkowski uh, from the New England Patriots interfere with wrestling. (laughs) Because he is becoming a part of Mojo's life. And he has been a part of Mojo's life. And that's some reality. And that's fueling Mojo's desire to become a real champion in the WWE and certainly defeating someone as despicable as Jinder Mahal is a great start, in my opinion. I was happy to see Jinder get clobbered. I was happy to see Rob Gronkowski throw a drink right in his face. Um, Jinder Mahal deserves that and so much more. Um, But when we look at the emerging main event, and perhaps we'll close out the day on a discussion about this, um, when we look at the emerging main event that is brewing between Dolph Ziggler, of all people, and Shinsuke Nakamura, obviously, I think endgame wise uh, to see Shinsuke and AJ Styles continue to compete over and over uh, would be an incredible sight. But with Randy Orton currently being the WWE champion, with him having a match at a Raw pay-per-view, Um, it certainly leaves everybody else kind of fighting for the next best belt. And since Dean Ambrose is now a transplant to raw, that makes Kevin Owens United States title, you know, the, the prime, uh, uh, suspect for everybody's uh, desire. So where do you think Shinsuke fits into this whole picture? Where do you think Dolph Ziggler fits into this whole picture? And and why are they taking such a combative resistance against each other? I think Ziggler right now is kind of suffering from an identity crisis. I mean, for so long, he's been targeting, you know, uh, entrance of the new era, new superstars in WWE, going, you know, starting from Baron Corbin a year ago to then Mojo Raleigh to Apollo Crews, Kalisto, and now Shinsuke Nakamura. Nakamura, it's hard to say that he's making a star out of himself against Dolph Ziggler because arguably the guy's already a star. And I think the reactions he received last week on SmackDown and then again this week in Boston. The moment he came out, people were singing his song. 
and chanting his name. Nakamura is already arguably a bigger star than Dolph Ziggler currently is and probably ever has been, to be quite honest with you. And I think this collision course between these two, um, I, I, I struggle to say icons with Dolph Ziggler, but with Shinsuke Nakamura, I think these two are in a collision course towards just an absolutely epic match down the line. Absolutely. And when you think about it, why would Shinsuke interrupt Dolph Ziggler? Because there's a part of Shinsuke that is as much of a show-off, and part of him probably looks up to the old Dolph Ziggler a great bit. And uh, the old Dolph Ziggler just came in and just bled confidence and bled enthusiasm. And now we have a Dolph Ziggler that mocks the audience by, uh, you know, warming up the band HBK style before, you know, trying, trying to attempt a super kick. Um, you know, really, really grinding on everybody uh, from the fans to his competition. Uh, I definitely see a a reflection of Dolph Ziggler in Shinsuke Nakamura, but Shinsuke is a rock star. Shinsuke is the real deal. Um, he was he was as much of a buzzsaw as Tajiri ever was. It's incredible to see Shinsuke in a ring, and we were treated to a dark match in which Shinsuke Nakamura uh, defeated Dolph Ziggler clean. Uh, mind you, and it, it, in pretty uh, pretty quick fashion. So I think that Shinsuke has a very bright future, but I certainly don't think that Shinsuke is going to involve himself in minor competitions that don't involve a main title belt. And I think that that's why we did not see Shinsuke Nakamura appear at the open of the show when Kevin Owens was confronted by Sami Zayn and a whole host of other people, including AJ Styles. Um, where do you th- how, how do you think this concludes with Dolph Ziggler down the line? Do you think that we're going to see this uh, resolve itself on SmackDown? Or do you feel like this is building to something, potentially SummerSlam? It could be. Um, I, I mean, it all depends on where they kind of uh, are, are headed with this. But I could see Nakamura Ziggler happening at a Backlash pay-per-view next month. It could be headed towards something bigger at SummerSlam. But as you had said, I feel like Nakamura... With with Dolph Ziggler, Nakamura is merely just a roadblock. I mean, or rather the other way around. Ziggler is merely a roadblock for Shinsuke Nakamura en route to a bigger prize, that being the WWE Championship. So he probably has his sights set on winning the WWE title, the U.S. Championship, some sort of piece of gold, getting his first taste of WWE main roster championship gold at SummerSlam on the one-year anniversary when he won the NXT Championship for the first time in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. So, for right now, Nakamura Ziggler, I imagine, is only interim. And then from that point forward, it could be Nakamura Orton, Nakamura Styles, Nakamura Owens. The possibilities are endless. The possibilities are exciting. I think I couldn't be happier for what is going on in the WWE right now. The fact that we got to see this live. The fact that we got to see number one first appearances by Charlotte Flair, Kevin Owens... Just an absolute treat, Graham. I can't thank you enough. We have so much to discuss. It almost feels like we're building towards WrestleMania season because things are actually happening in the WWE, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to keep track. Careful observation on everything that is to come and is going on in the background. We are WrestleRant Radio. We'll see you next Friday. Thursday.